You know what? There's a lot of stuff happening around the church. I'm very, very thankful to the Lord. Um, the, I'm very encouraged by the fact that we're having summer camps this year and kids from the neighborhoods come into these summer camps and they hear about Jesus. And we do need volunteers for this just for two weeks of the summer. You can volunteer for one or the other or for even just a couple of days during the time. But um, seeds of the gospel are planted in kids' lives during this time. And who knows, when you plant seeds, they usually grow. So this is our hope. Uh, so there's a lot of good stuff happening in the church. I'm very, very thankful for this. And I wanted to say, too, thank you for the prayer for fathers, uh, Elizabeth. This is Father's Day. So, and I just want to acknowledge, too, that Father's Day, is a, it's a complex day, is it not? Because for a lot of us, we've had very good relationships with our fathers. We have good memories for others of us. We have very painful memories of our relationships with our fathers. Maybe there's hurt or anger or sadness. Um, some of us long to be fathers, and we can't be fathers. Some of us have been fathers, and we've lost a child, and we don't have that role of being a father to that child anymore. It's complex. But nonetheless, we want to honor our fathers those who are physical fathers who've birthed children and who are trying to raise children and pray for children and lead them in the ways of Jesus, and also those who are spiritual fathers, if you get me, that there are, are um, many who are, as men of God, wanting to plow their lives and their faith into the lives of other young, young people, which is fatherhood and very powerful. So I want to read this verse to you from Proverbs 1, starting at verse 7. It goes like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This fear of the Lord, this high esteeming of the Lord God, knowing that he's God and we're not, and so we're going to listen to him and follow him. This is the beginning of knowledge. The next verse goes, Proverbs 1 and 8. Listen, my son to your father's instruction. So here's an instruction to all who may be uh, children of fathers. <laughs> Listen, my son, to your father's instructions. But, you know, puts big responsibility on dads in our teaching and our modeling as well, as well as the responsibility of our kids to listen. But then the next part of the verse is astounding because just to be frank, the first part of this verse, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, this quote is found in almost all the ancient Near East literature. Mesopotamia, Sumeria, and so on. Listen, my father, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. The next part of the verse isn't in any of those. It's only in the Bible. The next part says, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Is this interesting or what? that God in his wisdom knows the extreme importance of mothers and fathers teaching kids together, modeling what it means to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So for fathers and for mothers and for all parents, God bless you and God make you a blessing to your kids. And I think I just saw Cole come in. Um, they had a baby this week, a baby girl. You probably heard this. And I know the labor was very hard on Cole, I hope you'll really sympathize with him. <laughs> uh, dear Janessa, 
anyway, I don't see them right now, but anyway, God bless them both as well. Let's pray, and we're going to get into God's word. Heavenly Father, you're a good, you're the good, good Father. You're perfect in all of your ways. And we're your children. What a privilege, what an honor to be the daughters and sons of the living God, welcomed into your family, loved by you. You consider us precious, Lord. How amazing is this? And so we want to bask in your love and your favor today, but we don't want to hold this and hog it, Lord. We want to give it out freely, generously, with your heart. You make the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Help us to be generous with your blessings and to be blessings with, uh, on other people in our world. So lead us today as we look into your word, Lord, we pray. Open our eyes. Help us to see the wonderful things in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, our, our idea today is to learn Jesus Christ in order that we would become more like him. Uh, the world is kind to Jesus at times. Uh, they put his face on the magazine, on Newsweek or Time or, or whatever it is like this, even McLean's. Um, and, and he's often on the most admired list, Jesus is. One author said, Jesus is admired by many but followed by few. And I tend to disagree with that statement. I think Jesus is admired by many. I think he's followed by many as well, all around the world. There are people who love Jesus Christ and who, who, who are followers of Jesus and want Jesus' life to be in us more and more and making a difference in the world. And I'm supposing that that's exactly the reason why you're here this morning. Otherwise, you'd have a few other options to be somewhere else. You want to come here to draw close to Christ and, and to soak yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we're doing this morning. If you're reading the book, you'll hear the word marinate, to marinate in Jesus, to take a significant time each week to marinate in Jesus Christ, in the stories of Jesus, so that we become more like him. Now, marinate has this image of a food <laughs> soaking in something, does it not? And so this food item, whatever it is, is soaking the marinade into itself so that the food itself tastes more like the marinade. And so our, this challenge for us coming up this week and ongoing is that we will soak and marinate in Jesus, that we will soak in him and he will soak into us and we will become more like him and take on his, his flavor. Because Jesus Christ is the central figure in all of history. The fact that this is 2019, I know it's circumstantial evidence, but the fact that this means it's 2019 years since God himself enfleshed himself and came to this world. And so all of history then is really marked by the before Christ era and the after Christ era. So God 
has sent Jesus, and Jesus is the central figure in all of history. So would it not make sense for us to marinate and soak ourselves in the life of Jesus over and over so that we become more like him in the world? Um, so uh, how do we do this? Uh, we've got a few things coming up here. Um, how will we do this more and more? Well, we want to bless others. We want to eat with others. We want to listen to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And we want to learn Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned, this is not a straitjacket for us to do three of these every week. But it's meant to be an ongoing pattern that we're picking up, that we're going to be more conscious. And I've heard that from some of you. This is just raise the level of consciousness. Oh, I'm meant to be a blessing in my world. Is there somebody at work that I can eat with and just relate with a little bit better? Listening to the Holy Spirit, I appreciated so much Elizabeth's work last week, helping us think on this. And this week now, we're talking about learning Jesus Christ, marinating in him. Now, how will we do this? Let's move to that slide. How will we learn Jesus? I've got three ways that are all mentioned in, um, in the book there. The first is to read about Jesus to soak in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I'd like to challenge you this week to spend a significant time, maybe a half hour, maybe 45 minutes, just reading through the Gospels or listening to the Gospels. Stories of Jesus. The best way to come to know a person is to listen to the story of their life. And that's really what the Gospels are. And you know, when we listen to Jesus like this, and when we see him in the scriptures, what will we see? We find that he was in a culture that did not honor children. And Jesus said, when people were driving the children away, let the children come to me. Let them come. It's countercultural. We find that Jesus was in a culture that did not honor women. And so here's a woman who comes to him who's got an issue of blood. She's bleeding. She's not supposed to be in public because it could be infectious, and she's not allowed to go to worship because of the same reason. So she comes to Jesus, she touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus realized that power has gone out from him, and he looks at her, and he lifts her up, and he looks in her eyes, and he calls her daughter. Daughter. He elevates her in a culture that would not elevate women. What else do we see about Jesus? In a culture where people are exhausted, he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You see Jesus coming into a culture that is cynical about life and about religion. People were oppressed. It was very hard for those people, being under the domination of Rome. And he comes along, and he talks about hope, and he says, believe in God, believe also in me, he says. We see Jesus comes into a, uh, a culture that um, is isolating. So if people are different from you, you don't welcome them, you keep them away. And Jesus reaches out to all people. Here's a leper who comes to him. Nobody touches a leper. Jesus reaches out and touches him. So we see Jesus crossing all those cultural barriers, bringing the love and truth of God into the world. You have to love Jesus, don't you? When you read him, when you get to see what he's really like, you just have to love him and say, I, I gotta follow this. I've got to follow him. 
So study the Gospels this week, and, and let's make it a pattern of our lives. A second thing is to read about Jesus. There are some wonderful books. We've got a library just back here behind the green wall. And maybe you've got books at home as well. But just to read some stories about Jesus, some commentaries on his life, these things are really, really helpful for us. And the third thing would be to watch some movies about Jesus. There are excellent ones. The whole book of John is on, uh, on a DVD. The book of Luke is. Uh, the book of Mark is. And Matthew is as well. So you can find these and you can walk your way through the stories. And actually at the back of this book, there are a number of really good resources. If you look back here, you can see uh, like movie resources, book resources, and other things that help us learn more and marinate in Jesus. Now, I, I think I hear a couple of questions coming up in your minds about uh, problems. Where do I find time for this? Where do I find time to spend like a half hour or 45 minutes reading the Bible? So I'm going to ask you a trick question, so get ready. Did anybody watch the Raptors this week? Where did you find time for that? Started at nine, went till midnight. Where did you find three hours? <laughs> because I valued the Raptors, that's why. Anybody watch any NHL hockey like playoffs or anything like this? One person. <laughs> There's one honest person at Forest View. He's right back there. <laughs> okay, so did I too. But you know what? Where do we find time? Did, did anybody ever go to Ikea? Where did you find time to go to Ikea, really? I know it's just down the road, but we find time for the things that we value. And when we value Jesus, we're going to make time before Netflix. And I'm picking on Netflix. I did last week, too, and because that's, this is Ruth and my, one of my, our defaults. We're gonna, we go downstairs and we watch Netflix, Right? We, the things we value, we do. And the word of the living God, the stories of the Savior who died for us and rose again are here in his life. And we want to marinate in Jesus. So where do we get time? Um, we make time because we value this. And a second question might be, what about the other Bible passages? Like, you're just saying the four Gospels are all there are? Absolutely not. If you're in a reading program already, keep up with your reading program, reading through the Bible in the year. Many of us do that and so on. Keep on with it, but add this thing of marinating in the Gospels to learn more and more about Jesus. So this actually brings us to the passage of Scripture that we want to look at today, which we haven't read yet. And uh, this is in Matthew chapter 7. So I know I've kind of jumbled things up there, but if we could have the text. Oh, beautiful, you're a step ahead of me. Thank me. Thank you. Uh, so don't thank me. Stand up, would you please? I want us to read this together, would you? Here we go. You can help me. This is right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is sort of summing things up. He says, help me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man 
who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see the wonderful things in your word, we pray. Amen. So be seated. We stand. We're standing for the reading of God's word, not because we worship the Bible, because we don't. We worship the God who gave us the Bible, the accurate, true, authoritative word of God. So anyway, this is a a two-story parable. In other words, there are two lines that are happening here. Um, Two stories. So we want to look at the two stories and see how are they similar, and then how are they different, and what's the turning point? That's how you do a two-story parable. So you could do that with the prodigal son, because there are two sons, right? How are they similar? How are they different? Where's the turning point? So anyway, let's look at this one. How are they, how are they similar? Wise and foolish builders, two similarities. Both of these people build a house, and in fact, we all build our house, don't we? We're all building our life. Our choices are how we build our life. So we make choices about our career, about our education, about a marriage partner, about our friendships. All these things are forming about our our moral values. Are we going to go with Jesus? Or are we going to go with the, the world? So all of these things are choices that we make. And you know what? Even non choices are choices. So if you have an application for university or college or something like that coming up and you don't get the application in, your non-choice is the choice. You're not getting in. Not this year anyway. So our non-choices and the non-choice of saying, you know what, I think I'll follow Jesus later after I get this done or I get that done or after I find somebody or I'll follow Jesus later. That's a non-choice that becomes a choice for us and puts us in a, a, a really dangerous spot. So anyway, choices, we're all building our, our house, if you like, or our life. The second thing that's similar about this is that all houses, each house faces a storm. And in fact, if you, when you read the text and you look at it, the exact same language for the storm is used for the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. The exact same Greek words are used there to talk about the storms of life. And you know what? Every one of us faces storms in our lives. Uh, Christians don't get a free pass. Is that true? Elizabeth helped us think about this last week, that God doesn't protect us from the storms, but he sustains us in the midst of some of the hardest things in life. God, our sustainer. And we know this as a church family, do we not? Over the years, we've been through some very, very hard things together, and we found that not only is Christ with us in the midst of difficulties, but our brothers and sisters are right beside us to love us, pray for us, walk with us through the most difficult of times. So, two similarities. All of us are building our house, our our life, and all of us face storms. 
we might prefer a parable about how to avoid the storms of life. Here's a nice, really safe place to live your life, and you know, you'll never have any problems over here. But that's not how it goes. Every life faces a storm. So there are two similarities. There are also two differences. And the first difference is that, um, well, the big difference is the foundation, right? That the, some people build on the foundation of Jesus and his words. And that's literally what he says here. Um, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... So it's the business of hearing about Jesus and then beginning to follow him. It's not just about knowing the truths. We're we're clear on this, right? It's about actually following Jesus with our life, making him the center of our life, um, making him the foundation of all that we do. So some build on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his words, and some don't. There are many foundations that people find for their lives, like can I, am, can I amass my fortune first, or can I get my education first, or whatever other kinds of things we can build our lives on. Jesus is the one to build our life on, he and his words. Notice, if you look at the story, the houses, there's no difference, external difference to the houses mentioned. In fact, they're probably close to one another because they face the very same storm. So they could be clean, respectable, attractive, and all that stuff. But the contrast is that one has dug its foundation deep into the life of Jesus and his teaching. And the other just couldn't be bothered, busy about all kinds of other things. I wonder... If we lined up all the people in the world according to this evaluation, the wise people who build their life on Jesus and his words and the foolish people who do not build their life on Jesus and his words, what would we find? We'd find maybe over here of people who are not building their life on Jesus and his words. We might find people buying uh, uh, very... uh, successful in our world situation. They look successful. They look like they're having fun. They may be doing all kinds of things, own a big business or whatever else and so on. But if they're not building their life on Jesus and his words, Jesus calls them a fool. Did I switch sides on that? Well, anyway, I'm talking about the foolish side now. Sorry. For those who built their life on Jesus... And his words, the wise people, who might we find there? We might find a single mom who's working two jobs to try to provide for her kids, and she's hanging on to Jesus and teaching her kids about Jesus. We might find somebody who's going through even emotional problems in their life, but they're hanging on to Jesus. We might find somebody who's working at the same old job that has never really given them a lot of satisfaction, but they're raising their kids to know about Jesus and pointing them in the way of Jesus and hanging on to Jesus. And we're going to find people who have big jobs and big responsibilities because God 
blesses people financially if they're following him as well. There's the whole range of people who are following Jesus. But the big deal is the foundation is on Jesus and his words, building ourselves on him. Now the result then, the second thing here is the, the difference. The end result is the life built on Jesus stands firm and the life built on any other foundation tragically falls. Jesus is referring here to the final judgment. With me on this? Jesus is referring here to the fact that at the end of time, the book of Hebrews tells us in the Bible that it's, a, it's uh, counted unto all people to die once and to face judgment. So there is this thing about our lives standing before God at the end of time. And is it not our desire and our heart for us to have Jesus in us and beside us, and Jesus saying, oh, this one's mine. He's purchased with my blood. This is my son, this is my daughter. There's no judgment against this person. Come to be with me forever. And don't we want this for our friends as well? Are you with me? Don't we want our friends to know Jesus in the same way? That's why we're doing this whole thing, to surprise the world, that our lives will shine for Jesus out in the world, and that our friends and our neighbors will come to know him too. This is life and death. This is so, so important. When Jesus looked out on the crowds, he saw them as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he's calling us to be people who are out there blessing others, eating with others, loving them, listening to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, who do you want me to touch base with today when I'm out here in the workplace? And marinating ourselves in Jesus so that our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes and so on are more and more like Jesus all the time in our world. I think there are a couple more points coming up here. The meaning, the parables about Jesus, he and his truth are trustworthy. And he's the stable foundation for this life and the next. And the next one, the meaning is also about faith. And that is that faith is not just believing. It involves, first of all, an informed choice because it's always a choice to believe in Jesus and follow him or not. It's never forced. But faith involves an informed choice, so it involves knowledge then agreement, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose again. And then it involves the action of following him to say, yes, you are the God of the universe. You're the, my Savior. How do I give the rest of my life to you? And there's strength and security there. This morning, I want to close with this. That... Many of us have trusted Christ as our Savior. We do want our friends to know Jesus, don't we? That's why we're doing this. Can we decide again to actually put this into practice? This week, who can I bless, Lord? Who could I eat with and build a relationship? Somebody who's not in the church? Somebody who's in the church? Because we want to strengthen fellowship here and strengthen our outreach. 
Spend a time listening to the Holy Spirit. Lord, how, who do you want me to contact today? How do I hear from you? And then spend a time marinating in Jesus and the story of his life so that we become more like him. I believe this is our goal. But one last thing. If you don't know Jesus like this, you can respond to him in faith. You can believe in him today. You can invite him to come into your life and say, I believe in you. And if you don't have enough information yet to make this decision, ask somebody here. Ask me. Give me a call sometime this week. Ask your Christian friend and find out because Jesus is the solid foundation. Jesus and his words for this life and the next. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. For this wonderful story that Jesus told Lord, we want to be those wise builders who build our lives upon Jesus and your words, your truth, your life-changing truth of eternal life. Lord, help us to do this better and stronger out of a love for you. And help us as we share you, want to share you with others, Lord, in our world. Not out of guilt, but out of love for them and love for you. Lead us in this, we pray, and we ask, Lord, that we will see you mightily at work in our friendships, in our families, leading us forward. And now, as we come to this table, Lord, where we remember Jesus, uh, remember you, Lord Jesus, coming here, risking all, coming to this planet, the Holy One, in this very unholy place among us unholy people, giving your life for us on the cross, coming in your powerful resurrection, sending your Holy Spirit, making us new to be your children, your sons and daughters in this world. We want to give you thanks as we worship you and remember and celebrate Jesus. Thank you for giving your life for us, Lord Jesus your body broken for us on the cross, your blood poured out so that we can be forgiven and renewed and made new children of God in the world. We worship you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take communion and those who are uh, helping us, if you'd come up now, please. We're going to break the bread and put it on the two tables at the front and three tables at the back. And this, again, is a symbol of us going out, okay? We're here today to be filled up and to be fed and so on. But we're going to get up and move to take uh, communion, either at the front or at the back. And um, so take the bread and eat it, if you would. Take the cup and drink it. And, um, and then we'll worship the Lord after that. <laughs>